Welcome to Cookieless. I am your host, Jacob Kelly, and this is the podcast where we help you prepare for a cookieless world by sitting down with marketing leaders to understand how they're navigating the transition to a world without cookies. Today on the podcast, we are joined by Barry Enderwick. Barry is the co-founder of Kaizen Creative Partnership. He's a former marketing executive at Netflix, and he's over 500,000 followers across social media. As always, today's podcast is powered by Surf, and Surf is your all-in-one loyalty and rewards platform. With Surf, you can spin up your own loyalty app and extension in no time. And with that app, you can collect consumer data ethically. You can reward your users for taking specific actions like filling out a survey for little to no cost to raise subsidized rewards marketplace you can grow your audience through a built-in affiliate program and giveaways and with all of the new data you're collecting from all of your new users you can analyze it with an nlp data dashboard powered by ai the same way you ask chat gpt prompts about anything you're interested in you can now ask ai prompts about your own audience and get answers in a matter of seconds with easy to read visualizations if you're interested in learning about any or all of these features you can do so at the link in the description and now on to our interview with Barry Enderick. Where I want to start with you today is, so with, actually, let's give a little background to the audience first. So with Kaizen Creative Partnership, you're consulting with other brands, correct? Yes. We do a, a number of di- engagements across uh, multiple brands from startups to Fortune 100 companies. And we do everything from competitive uh, analysis to brand positioning, to uh, marketing guidance, and how to, to you know channel optimization and things like that as well. And is the conversation around a transition to a cookie-less world and third-party cookies being deprecated by Google, I feel like they keep saying this year, every year for the last couple of years, but we know it's coming at some point. Is that a conversation that's happening? Is how do we pivot? How do we prepare for this? Not uh, Our clients are not necessarily uh, engaging us too much on that. We have heard a little bit about it. Um, and the idea is like, how do you get direct access to people when you don't have cookies at your, at your disposal to be able to track and, and, and get to them? So there, there are conversations around it. It's not, I wouldn't say that that's our focus per se. Um, and it's certainly not something that our, our clients are really hitting us over the head over, but they are definitely working on it and thinking about it. How do you feel about this shift to a cookie-less world? And that might, there might be two answers to that question, right? Like there might be the answer of Barry the marketer, but there also might be the answer of like Barry the person. And so like, how does that sit with you, this, this world where we might not have cookies? I, you know, I'm torn on this, to be honest, as a marketer, even, um, mm. part, part of me thinks that we over-indexed, uh, on using cookies, uh, a little bit to the point of not really paying attention to brand and communication. Like we, we, we focused a little bit too much on performance only. And I know that business is performance and I know we have to grow the brand and I know we have to return a certain uh, CPA versus LTV. I, I get all that. But there's also a component, an element of uh, marketing that is brand that's also important that seems to get sometimes shoved to the side. On the other hand, I'm a big believer in being able to try it, uh, to tracking everything and making sure that things are working and doing A-B tests and things like that. So I'm a little bit, torn. I, I think it's overall, it's not great as a marketer to have this taken away from us. Um, but we're just going to have to figure a way forward. Of course. And in terms of that conversation around like brand and metrics, when you were at Netflix, I remember from our previous conversations, you spend a lot of time on the brand side, right? And kind of mailing the brand, but also with Netflix, from my understanding, from an outsider's perspective is very performance-based. Like they have a lot of deep metrics. Like how does your experience there kind of make you I don't know what the, the way way to put this is, but is 
how does that reinforce how you think we'll navigate moving forward? Because you have experience on both sides, right? So is that going to give you an advantage as someone who's able to deeply understand brand building? Well, I, I think, you know, with Netflix, it was, everything was definitely measured, but everything had to be also guided by brand. Like there were certain things that we were not going to do because it would have gone against the brand, mm-hmm. right? But we were open to testing just about any and every channel we could, a uh, marketing channel that was presented to us uh, to do A-B testing around it to see if we could get a, an effective uh, cost per acquisition. So to me, it's always, and that's, you know, Netflix is where I cut my teeth in marketing. So to me, that is how marketing should be done. You should be cognizant of what your brand position is, what you need to be to your consumers, and then you need to express it and then figure out how to uh, get people to understand it and relate to it on these different performance marketing channels, but you measure everything without a doubt. So it's a combination really for me. I, that's how I think about it is it's performance and brand together. Um, everything measured, everything brand. Is So with cookies going away, how do you anticipate companies, especially with consumer facing companies, how do they measure effectiveness of different campaigns without things like cookies? There, I, That's going to be tough because they're just going to have to figure out a way to, to measure lift, uh, mm. let's say on a, on a campaign, I, the only thing I can think of is geography is going to be like become kind of critical. It's taking a look at how is the that a particular market doing when you run a campaign after that. How is the market doing after after that? Um, but I think the big push everyone is going to try and get to is um, obviously list building, emails, email collection, and uh, referrals. What have you, and like curious actually as a creator, also as a marketer at the same time, what have you seen for audience building specifically with an own channel, like an email list? Like what are some things you've seen that work to effectively grow a list? I think, uh, well, effectively growing a list is when you provide outsized value, um, mm. and people want to share that email with other people. Uh, and that's, that's something that actually helps, but that does take a considerable amount of work. It's not just plugging in your marketing copy and your, your, your benefit statements, you're actually providing some sort of value to the consumer such that they want to go, have you seen this to their, to their cohorts? Um, so it, it's, it's tough. (laughs) It's not an easy thing to do, but I think that it actually builds a better relationship with customer and with potential customers, um, because they see that you're actually doing something for them as opposed to just asking them to pay money. What do you think makes a consumer want to share an email with somebody else that within their network. Because I feel like a lot of brands, when they think of writing newsletters, it's just how do I kind of keep this person warm and how do I keep them in the funnel? But those type of things aren't the, aren't going to be the emails that you send to a friend. So what should a brand be thinking about when reaching out to customers through email? Well, I mean, you want to think about what would be something that would be interesting for our customers to sh- that they would find interesting to share. Not, not mm-hmm. what, how do I keep this lead warm? How do I nurture this 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 lead? It's what is it that we have that we can we can give to this customer that they would go, oh, whoa, check this out. On Netflix, um, we would do that often with our, our, our rental list of what top movies were rented uh, for, say, like a Valentine's Day or something like that. And that would get shared. That would even get press pickup um, mm. because it was unique content that was not available elsewhere. Um, and so, you know, you want to basically, the, the other thing you can do is take a look at what service you're providing um, the company I was most recently with before going back to consulting was boomerang and we're able to, able to take and take a look at the data and find some really good insights to help people write better emails, to, to schedule their meetings better. 
Um, so it's just a matter of, of looking at what data you have and seeing how you can translate that into something that's helpful and meaningful to, to your customers and by proxy, your potential customers. Interesting. And so it's, it's, is it almost thinking of it more as content than as like a sales funnel essentially? Yeah, absolutely. It is, it is content. It, it is thinking of it as content and it's not just, I mean, you can have your own proprietary stuff like I just uh, spoke about, but you can mm -hmm. also actually knit together tangential uh, content that relates to what you're doing, doesn't compete with what you uh, are offering and provides value, right? So there, there's different ways of, uh, about going about the content creation and content curation um, to, to make something valuable. I had a small window of my career where I did a little bit of consulting as well. And like this, what I was always described this to brands was like, you're looking for the adjacent interests of yes. your consumers and kind of hitting those adjacent interests, even if it doesn't directly relate back to your brand, they just want to identify with you as a brand that they like to engage with. Well, absolutely. And that, it, it shows that you see them as a person, as opposed to just a target. Mm. <laughs> um, at Netflix, we used to, it's kind of funny the, the recommendation algorithm when I first uh, learned about it and what it did is basically it would, we had people who would break uh, content movies and TV shows into micro tags, strong female lead filmed in, in Chicago, lots of nighttime shots, you know, like, like all these tons of tags. And we get fed into the algorithm and the algorithm, algorithm would create neighborhoods of content that would be comprised of things that didn't necessarily, you wouldn't look at that movie and go, that movie belongs with it. But once you saw the, the tags that were overlapping in a Venn diagram, you got it. And doing that allowed us to, basically to take advantage of the long tail, which is this long back catalog of stuff that no one knew what to do with and surface, surface it to our customers in a meaningful way that provided value. And that's why, one of the reasons why Netflix on, uh, back in the DVD days was so good and was able to grow so much is because we were able to surface that content that they may not have even heard of before. So it's, it's looking at, at, to your point, it's looking at what are the things that are related? What are the adjacent things? What are the, are the what are the, the subject matters that maybe tie into it and don't compete and try and mind that. I liked what you said there where it's looking at your customers, not as like a data point, but as a person or not as a target, as a person. Do you think that er, this over-reliance, over-focus on data has led us to a point where people have stopped thinking about the consumers as people and have just looked at it from a pure performance standpoint? I, I think there's definitely places where that has happened. I don't think it's... A, mm a blanket thing that happened across the industry, but there, I'm, I'm sure there are companies where that absolutely happened, where they just focus on data and they don't, they don't really pay attention to the human. Um, but it all ties back to the brand. Like if you have an understanding of what your brand position is, it's because you've done research with consumers and potential consumers to find out what you need to be, what role you need to play in their lives. And then you can sort of lean on that to get more of a human, uh, human, based foundation for what you're about to, what you're hopefully going to create and share. What are some ways to do that research? Uh, talk, talking to them. And, and there's two things. Obviously there's qualitative and quantitative, uh, mm -hmm. qualitative is going to give you, um, directional feedback. Uh, it's going to give you some insights that you may not have known that'll then inform how you write a qualitative survey that gets you the numbers to kind of back up your hypotheses. Hmm. What are some ways you think brands can get that qualitative, that first party data that doesn't rely on cookies? Uh, well, I mean, you, there's a couple of different options. First of all, you, if you have a customer base, you can uh, you definitely survey them or you can definitely do qual and quant 
within them, depending mm-hmm. on how many you have. Um, and that'll give you some idea. The thing that you have to be careful about when you're doing that is to what extent does the next tranche of customers that you're going after look like your current tranche of customers? And if mm-hmm. they're, if it's just an extension or it's similar, then you're golden. If not, you have to kind of take that into account of like, well, these people do X and the next batch do Y. Um, so we need to be careful of that. And then there's other like survey. There's definitely um, survey uh, options out there like SurveyMonkey and, and other lists that you can access. Um, and then you can write. It, the, the thing with that is you really need to write crystal clear qualifying questions so that you don't get people taking a, a survey responding to a qualitative survey uh, that are not qualified to do so. Do you have an example, like an example of like what a crystal clear, like any from past experience you have like qualifying questions? Well, it's been a while. Um, <laughs> haven't done a, a qualitative survey in a long time, but um, have you or someone in your house rented a movie from a video me- rental movie chain Actually, it'd probably be a little more like, have has you, you or anyone in your house driven to rent a movie from a video rental chain in the last six months? Okay. So it's like, we want to know that they commuted. We want to know, we all want to understand the pain point of people who have to drive to get a video, not someone who just pops next door and gets one. We want to understand it, uh, if who the person in the house, because we'll get, if they say yes, we'll ask who did it. So we'll learn who in the house makes the decisions around movie making. And then you can just kind of cascade from there uh, and learn learn more and more. And with that being a Netflix example, was that like a direct, like a male, a male campaign? That was that was, that was a definitely a uh, a Netflix esque. I don't know if that was. Uh, I wouldn't say that that is because it's it's been what eleven years since I've been there. So, mm-hmm. but was that was that like for it had like not that specific example when you did that with Netflix? Would that have been male campaigns to people, or how would you, or would that have been email? Email, email. Got it. Got it. And one thing you mentioned a minute ago too was how the cohort you're targeting right now might be different from the one you're going to go after in the future, the cohort you currently have versus the future one. Does this deprecation of third-party cookies put an over-importance on customer retention? An over-importance? Yeah, on customer retention. I don't know if it puts an over-importance on it, but it kind of reinforces the need to understand Paying, pay, first of all, paying attention to churn, paying attention to why you're churning. Um, and the value, the big thing to do there is exit surveys and make sure that they're worded really well um, so that you can understand not just why they're canceling, but what their future intent was. This is something that Netflix did really well. I didn't have any part of it. Uh, I can't claim any, any credit for it. But the exit surveys were written in such a way that we understood, okay, why are you canceling? Great. What do you plan to do in the future? Okay, and what are your what are the what are the things that you're considering for solutions in the future? Mm-hmm. And you start to understand, like you, you can start to see patterns emerge, and how do we address those? You can you can start to address those in different ways uh, before they even think about quitting the service um, for fu- for other customers. Mm-hmm. Okay, and with this shift, what if I'm a company that hasn't done anything at all when it comes to preparing for this? this cookie-less world, where's the first place I should start? Like, how should I start preparing for this? Wow. I, that's a good question. I don't know off the top of my head. I would say, I would think the first thing you want them to do is get a kind of a state of the nation and, and figure out where you are with your current customers. 
um, figure out what their pain points are, figure out what their joy points are. Like what, what is it, what is it that you're doing that, that really is, um, satisfying a need for them and what areas are you not? Um, I'd also want to make sure you understood what your brand is because mm. whether you define it yourself or, or not, you have a brand and the worst thing is to let someone else define it. Um, be that customers or, um, or, or competition or news or anything like that. Um, but beyond that, I'm not, I, I need to do a little bit more thinking about how to approach it. If I were, if, if you're a company that has not started. Yeah. And, and I appreciate that as an answer. I think saying that you're not, you need to do more thinking about yourself makes me believe even more in all the other answers you gave me. Cause I feel like some people will always try to come up with an answer, even if they don't have one, but to hear you say you need to do more thinking. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's, I don't know everything. I, in fact, far from it, uh, constantly learning. Um, and I don't, you know, like having, having not been in that scenario, I, mm. I don't hundred percent know. Uh, I know a couple of things that I would do, but I'd have to think a little bit more, a little bit deeper about it. I appreciate that. And one thing you said too, when, it, as it relates to brand, I know this is a podcast about a cookie world, but you said something interesting there I wanted to dig into is you need to define your brand. Don't let your audience or the media dictate your brand. Can you explain that a little bit further? Because I feel like people would think that you want your audience to dictate your brand's thing and connect with it. But it's- no, you want you you want to understand what your target audience, what your your customers need you to be. So you're definitely talking to them. You're definitely mm-hmm. listening, but you're not saying what should we be. Right? You want mm-hmm. them to talk about. So I'll give you an example with Netflix really quickly. Um, we first started up, we were doing great. We were sending out DVDs and we did a survey of our members and the snapshot that came back was we were an efficient vending machine, which is not great. No one builds a relationship with an efficient vending machine. So we did some more research outside of just our customers, consumer research. And we found out that, uh, people say they loved going to Blockbuster, but when we got them talking about the process, they absolutely hated it. There was this latent pool of hate for, for the Blockbuster experience, even though people didn't see that. And so what we were able to do is tap into that and just say like, no late fees ever. And suddenly people were like, oh, that's right. We pay late fees. Like we were able to communicate like all these benefits, free shipping both ways. Don't worry about uh, sending big disc back on time. We, you know, keep it as long as you like and be able to message to the pain points of understanding, um, and being friendly as opposed to what Blockbuster Watch was, which was, don't get a movie. Okay, we're going to charge you if you don't rewind it, or we're going to charge you if you're late. Uh, rewind it. Yeah. Taking me back a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's it, the idea is, is not, it's not ignore your customers. You definitely have to engage your customers and understand what they need you to be. Um, mm. You can't ask them what your brand is. You have to define it. You have to figure that out for yourself. And so our brand position after we did all that research was movie enjoyment made easy. That was mm-hmm. everything we did had to kind of tie back to that. And it, like the font I chose for the company, which was Gotham, that was because of movie enjoyment made easy. It was definitely a strong statement, but it, or a strong font, but it had a nice friendliness to it. Um, mm-hmm. So all these different things can, can play into it and and how we messaged and our, our tone and our emails, all of that tied back to that concept of movie enjoyment made easy. And it was because we we found our found out our customers and few and potential customers um needed us to be that i think a big takeaway for me from this conversation is even though you might not be able to start tracking customers elsewhere you need to have a deep understanding of the customers that currently use your product or your service and through internal tracking and internal metrics 
and then making sure that those metrics are reinforcing the brand and you're not tracking metrics that don't connect to the brand. I think this is putting things into perspective for me on you have to really understand your existing consumer base and you can do that without cookies. Yes, exactly. And and you can you can actually go into the larger world and conduct consumer research um, to mm-hmm. to find out does that does that actually jibe with your future set of customers? Mm. Yeah. Do you think that, that we're going to see a little bit more of a return to some more traditional marketing efforts in the near future? Yeah. yeah I think I think we I think we'll see a return to more consumer research. Um, be that you know qualitative or quantitative, we're going to see a return to that, but it'll be uh, trumpeted as something new. Yeah. That always seems to be the case with any sort of thing in marketing. It's just like, hey, we've got this great idea. And it's like, yeah, that's been done, but it was called something else. Hmm. Yeah. And, and not to not necessarily this is a shot at Netflix, but the example, I saw a tweet when Netflix started rolling out shows weekly instead of dropping them all at once. And someone said Netflix has discovered cable. Um, yeah, like, exactly. a, like a, a similar, it's always positioned to something new. Um, Barry, no, I appreciate this. These are bite-sized interviews. So I, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. I want to give you the floor before we jump off. I want you to plug anything and everything you got, whether it be the Barry Extended Universe or Kaizen, if you're looking for new clients, anything like that, I want to give you the floor. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. It's always great to talk to you and I appreciate it greatly. Uh, definitely want to plug Kaizen Creative Partnership. Uh, we help companies with go-to-market strategies. We help them with consumer research. We help them with uh, branding, positioning, and all all aspects of marketing. Uh, and of course, I want to plug uh, my social media accounts, Sandwiches of History, In the Chips with Barry, uh, Barry's Cooking Again, Barry's Ice Cream O'Clock, and Craft Beer Barry. And um, Sandwiches of History and uh, In the Chips with Barry is available on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, and Reddit. 